I cannot believe I get to say this, but welcome to the stage. The name on everyone's lips, or at least ours, Alexis Michelle. Yeah. Hi. Hey, Mary. Hey, Hey, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Now, our longtime Marys know that we, we, it's basically... The queens we talk about the most. We talk about Alexis Michelle. <laughs> we talk about Sasha Valore a lot. We yeah. talk about. I think this season we talk a lot about Monet, oh, and Monique, Monique and Monet. But yeah. our longtime Marys, it's like when they say who's the queen. All right, Mary talks about the most. They're like, oh, Alexis, Alexis Michelle. <laughs> Michelle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's healthy. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. 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 And Alexis Michelle a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. So um, many amazing things happening for you right now. Yeah, uh, it's you a have busy an, time. an album coming out on mm-hmm. May 11th and we should just air that out right now because we yeah. just heard a clip mm-hmm. of you singing uh, gorgeously, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's coming out on May 11th. It's called Love Fool. It's called Love Fool mm-hmm. and it's sort of um I feel like it's my stance on love in a nutshell, which is like there's a lot of sincere stuff on there. There's also a bit of like humor and camp. Okay. Because mm-hmm. love is so ridiculous often that you have to just embrace its absurdity, right? Oh, absolutely. Smart. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like the eternal fool for love. Okay. Yeah. And of course, there is your cover of Love Fool, obviously. Yes, on that's the, the title track. Yeah. Oh, um, it's sort of, we decided um, that it was really the centerpiece because it kind of straddles all those things I just mentioned. It mm-hmm. is, there is some sincerity to it, but it's also definitely an arrangement that embraces the camp. Of yeah. It all. Yeah. So I want to talk about maybe the sincerity of it. So, Love Fool, is this a autobiographical idea? Like, what is. I guess my question is, like, is it hard dating now as a drag race girl? Oh, honey, what's dating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say I thought that the exposure of drag race was going to introduce me to, like, a myriad of gentleman callers and mm-hmm. suitors. Yes. And that I would, like have sealed the husband thing by now but it's a little trickier than that okay the truth is you travel all these places but for most of these trips you're in and out many times in less than 24 hours well that's most of my relationship you know (laughs) 24 hours does not a husband make yeah okay i've heard you have a title that uh, mm-hmm. you've you've made that work is what I've heard. Am, um, I, am I wrong on that? <laughs> I am Mystic Pig Continental, <laughs> twenty sixteen. Yes, and raining? beyond. Yeah, I am. I am the eternal fucking reigning <laughs> Mystic Pig Continental because I refuse to step down. Yeah. Fabulous. God bless you. Yeah, hold on to it, Mary. Yeah. Hold on to it. You're tight. a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because, yeah, I wonder what the difference is, I guess, uh, as a drag queen that hasn't been on Drag Race versus uh, a a drag race girl. In the dating world, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, Because on on the applications, you're probably recognized right now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually an interesting thing to navigate because I can almost always tell... When even when they haven't revealed to me that they know who I am, um, I can almost always tell when they know. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. Um, but occasionally, like just the other day, <laughs> uh, somebody surprised me. Oh. Where we were talking and there were plans being made, and um, I said, "Hey, listen, uh, it, you're welcome to come over here, but um, you're going to see wigs and dresses and makeup and." It's because I do drag, so I just want to like let you know that. And he was like, oh, I know who you are. Big <laughs> big fan here. Oh, and yeah. most drag race girls would then say, okay, we're not Oh, we're not going to meet up now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. But I said, okay, come over. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yes. well, I've heard the stories of like girls on tour, and they think they call them chase racers. Is the yeah, ones yeah, yeah. who just race chasers, race chasers, yeah. oh, race chasers. Excuse me, yeah, yeah race chasers. Um, Which is chase a weird racers. Cons- that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really I guess you got to really put that in context, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> race chasers. Yeah, yeah. Race chasers. I've heard of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's you know. I suppose I, uh, you know, I try to be a little bit discerning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the same way that, like, I want people to see me as a human being. Right. Like, just because you're super into drag race doesn't mean you're not a human being, you know? Yeah. So, right. right. Yeah. yeah. I feel okay, like that's true. In some ways, I feel like someone who already knows who I am does have potential to see past the. The application, right? Just you know, the, the, the whole shopping thing. on Amazon type of thing that those. Yeah, apps because do. you ha- you already have some sense of my life now. 
depending on how literal your interpretation of drag race is, you know, that may have an impact on on what your thoughts about what my life is like sure. or what I'm like as a person, right. you know, right. is, but, um, but it might actually help paint, paint a full picture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm open to, to a great variety of things. <laughs> mm, yeah. You hear that Mary's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Is there one city in particular where you find more connections? Not necessarily sexual. Um, I have always loved performing at Roscoe's in Chicago. Um, There's just, it's not necessarily the biggest venue I've ever performed in um, or for the most people, although they do cram them in there. It's really incredible. It's always packed like crazy. And um, you literally feel like you're Britney at the Britney Spears concert because (laughs) they're just so uh, embracing and excited and they scream. So there's really something about that crowd at Roscoe's in Chicago. Um, you know, there's great people everywhere. I've, uh, I've, I've had, it's such a pleasure to, to travel the world. Um, I happen to love the UK and UK audiences are really dynamite. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I will say, I think that the reason the UK sticks out, both for the shows and for getting to know the people is I feel that perhaps there's a little less care on their part about celebrity. Mm -hmm. Like they know you from doing what you do, but they don't really give a shit. Right. And I love that. Yeah. It's like a nice balance where they still treat like a human being. Yeah. They appreciate your art. Yeah. Yeah. They'll read you for filth, but not in a nasty way, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And finding that balance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um, so as because like you you grew up in New York, you're a lifelong New Yorker. Native, honey. Native, that's right. And she's a native, she's a native. New Yorker. Yes! <laughs> so as, so speaking of other cities, I mean, do you ever see yourself being anywhere else other than New York, or is this home? I always said that I wouldn't leave New York; that this was home, and I think it will always be home. I mm-hmm. think um, I'd always, you know, I live in a in an apartment now that I fantasize about keeping, regardless of what other mm-hmm. real estate I'm able to acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, God willing. <laughs> but um, actually, my travels on the road have made me feel a bit more transient, have made me feel like I could probably live somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. Right now, the dream is to be more truly bicoastal. Um, mm. For the past you know, couple years, and especially the past several months, I've been back and forth between L.A. and New York a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's things about L.A. that uh, aren't my fave, and there's things about New York that I'm getting really tired of. Yeah. And there is something to be said for just stepping out into that sunshine every morning mm-hmm. and feeling like the day's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really nice feeling. You know? um, what about New York are you over? It just seems to get increasingly crowded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been expensive relative to other places, but as, you know, as it becomes more and more expensive, it's just like... my salary isn't quite catching up to that speed. Like even though I'm making, you know, drag race money now, um, my expenses are through the roof, both being in New York and just the expenses that come with being a drag race girl. Yeah. You gotta like travel, you gotta pay for meals and things like that. Hopefully, you know, God willing, most of the time your travel is covered by, by your gigs. Um, but not always. And depending on what kind of gig it is, not always. Um, but there's a lot of costs that people don't, you know, consider the largest one is merch. Oh. Um, you know, people want lots of fun new stuff to buy, you know, from their favorite drag race girls. But the the upfront cost of that stuff is intense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, I yeah. just produced an album. Well, yeah. So, so going back to that album, mm-hmm. I mean, this is now a new thing that you can just have with you, whether it's digital or. Yes. Or, or that's real. the nice thing is that, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll always try to travel with physical copies of it. Um, but you can also get it digitally, of course. Yeah. What made you want to do the album? So you I feel know, like, you know, like most Drag Race girls are working on their album before the season airs and then it like drops while it's airing. I feel like this is, you've kind of relaxed and now there's new projects. Well, I prioritized my live shows. Oh, um, I see. So it was like, a, it's been a dream for many, many years to really do a one woman cabaret show. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done cabaret shows out of drag before. And for many, many years in going to my favorite New York venues like Joe's Pub and right. 
Feinstein's 54 Below and the Carlisle, I always fantasized what Alexis Michelle's cabaret shows would be like. And what's really funny is we um, we approached uh, Feinstein's 54 Below last year before my casting on season uh, nine was announced. Oh. Now, that being said, there were rumors spilling around town okay. for mm-hmm. months before. So I think they had some sense uh, of what was about to happen. And we, uh, but we never spoke of it because um, I'm under contract. You know, I'm actually still currently under contract not to talk about that. Um, I mean, I can talk about it now. Because you're <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. but at any rate, we didn't discuss it then. And um, we ended up doing my first show at Feinstein's 54 Below I think two days before the cast announcement for season nine. Oh, wow. And that show had sold out completely. Of course. And so we added a second show. Um, oh, and then with the success of the first show and adding the second one, then I they offered me a whole run last oh, yeah. year. So I think I did six shows last year. And then this, uh, my next one coming up will be the fourth of wow. the year. So this will be my 10th. There. And when is that? That is uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday, uh, April 18th yeah. at 9.30 p.m. All and right, you can Marys. get your tickets at 54below.com. All right, there you All go. We right. actually just announced uh, today on my social media that um, one of my favorite fixtures in the sort of like fresh cabaret scene here in New York City is Kim David Smith. Oh. And um, he is um, going to be joining me as my special guest oh great and um i'm super excited because i've wanted to to work with him for a long long time and finally he is able to uh to join me so yeah he'll be my special guest next week oh that's fabulous that's great all right so tickets are still available yes um mm-hmm. there's there's certain brackets of seating that are sold out right but the main dining room still has some availability so definitely jump on those before they're gone as our marys know we we would forego the drink minimum yes. and just replace it with mozzarella sticks and yeah. french fries they have really good food there so <laughs> yeah come and right. eat or drink whatever yeah. you like yeah. yeah yeah so that show is is it uh, basically, not basically, but is it a lot of the album? There's crossover for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the top of my head, I can think of uh, at least three or four okay. that you'll hear okay. in my show that are on the album, but not entirely. There's some stuff um, that I've never performed live oh. on the album. And then... Um, and some, you know, some stuff that we really arranged just for that, and then, and then there is a bit of crossover. How much of of it is you, and how much of it is a collaboration, or is it all you? I would say ninety five percent of it starts f- with me, uh-huh. as far as just, you know, with cabaret material, you've got to be connected. Uh, and into what you're doing in even in a deeper way than than when you're casting a show because it's so personal it's so exposed so mm. if you're not connected to it there's no way the audience will be connected to it so right. I'd say 95% of it comes from me whether it's something I've always wanted to sing or something I've been singing for a while uh-huh. or um or something that like comes up like there's a song that's in the show that's also on the album um that was born out of a little bit of heartbreak this year Mm. uh and i heard this song actually not when i was going through the heartbreak i went i heard this song play when um when it was good (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. and it was very that moment and then the song kind of stayed with me into the heartbreak. Can you say what the song is? Um, actually, I think there's a, a YouTube clip of it online. Okay. Um, it's the Allman Brothers Ramblin' Man. Oh, oh right. yeah. Your, your, James sent that to us this morning. Oh, yeah. fabulous. fabulous. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> you know, I said to Brandon James Gwynn, my, my music director, who's a wonderful collaborator, okay, you're going to think I'm crazy, but we're going to do the Allman Brothers <laughs> rambling. Man. And he was like, what? 
But um, as I say in my cabaret show, that is why you give crazy ideas to Brandon James Gwynn, because he mm-hmm. writes beautiful, beautiful arrangements. What about that song speaks to you? Is it is it the heart? It was part? really the moment in time. You oh, know, I, I, mm. I was in New Orleans um, enjoying myself. Uh, and I heard a band playing it live and it kind of locked that moment and that memory in and the whole experience. And then um, I'm glad that that was the song that I locked in for that memory because as, as it really didn't pan out, it's actually kind of a bright and cheerful song. Right. Um, It's, it's got a really, the original recording has a really upbeat vibe. Mm. Um, And Brandon just listened to my story and my connection to it and he interpreted it and it just, I mean, I love what he did with it. I feel like he gave me such a gift with that track. And so I'm so glad that we get to do it live and that it's on the album for everybody to hear. And what's so brilliant is it's called Ramblin' Man and you're a man in a dress. Yeah. And you know, um, I won't, uh, I won't, well, okay, I will say, um, it's the last track on my album. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of an interesting choice to have the la- the final word be literally man. The last lyric in the song <laughs> yeah. is man. Right. Um, yeah, I think at this point the jig is up. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Fair enough. But actually, you know what? I won't I won't go so far as to say I'm a man in a dress. I actually have learned something about myself from being on my season of Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, and I, I, you know, I don't want to make assumptions for other people who have been on Drag Race previously, but it seems to me, especially in talking to my season nine sisters postseason, that there is a tremendous amount of gender fluidity amongst Mm -hmm. us and I didn't fully even embrace or own that in myself and I'm not sitting here telling you I'm a trans woman um, but I really feel like you know when you come to legal forms and you have to check a box checking a mailbox only does not tell my full truth sure when I you know Alexis Michelle is not an alter ego it's my female side Wow. Yeah. And something is definitely fulfilled in doing what I do. Mm-hmm. So I feel that calling me a man is not my full truth, just as checking a female box would not be telling my whole story. Yeah. Sure. So, um, so yeah. Uh, Sometimes so- it takes uh, bouncing that off with other people that are similar to you to kind of come to that realization that you always knew, right? It's like always been in there, but you didn't really have a way to kind of... I, it, it was always there for sure because like I dressed up as a little boy. I was always playing dress up and... Well, I, 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 I don't want to go too off script here, <laughs> but like I went to college with you and yeah. I remember seeing you at the out bar as uh-huh. Alexis Michelle mm-hmm. waiting tables. The first time I met you, you were in drag at a Halloween Oh party. my God. You were sitting on a kitchen counter. Um, and I remember I walked by and you went, you, you like ran your finger down my <laughs> arm. <laughs> that was like <gasps> trollop. Yeah. I think we, I think we talked about that when we did our season nine meet the queens oh, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it was like, Oh, we know a lot. Well, Johnny knows a lot. Wait, yeah. which Halloween was this? It what was, was a, I wearing? It was a pimp and hoe party. Okay. So that wasn't Halloween, Johnny. That was a pimp and hoe okay. party. <laughs> Let's just be clear. Okay. Yeah. So that it wasn't Halloween. It was fall though. It was fall. And yeah. it was at an empty person's house i know whose house it was at it was at um lauren molina's house okay mm-hmm. okay it, it, there were a bunch of people that lived there but i'm pretty sure lauren molina of the skivvies was one of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's when i had this huge crush on jesse nager really a huge crush on him because i saw him in children of eden yes and honey. i was like thirsty <laughs> well she has a beautiful voice honey she's lovely she's she's beautiful she's perfect she looks like a model <laughs> she sounds like linda evangelista <laughs> but yeah so um i i guess going back to your live shows uh i've seen alexis lives and I call it Alexis Lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I've s- I saw that show at the Green Room many, many times. Uh, it's so entertaining. So you were talking about kind of building your cabaret to find a way to connect, right? Because that's how... Well, yeah. And the shows work. that you saw at the Green Room are considerably different from what I do now um, in my in my full length Because there's, no there's, there's no lip syncs. There's no lip syncing. There's yeah. no games. Right. Um. Well, there's always a gag. I mean, wow. <laughs> um, just, ask, your dress. just ask my tucking panties. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But Please welcome to the stage, Chucking <laughs> Panting. <Yeah. laughs> it's um, people have said, and I feel that this is probably true. Seeing me in one of these shows where I sing live for you know an hour and fifteen minutes is me most in my element. Oh, I see. Um, and yeah, and you know, in the cabaret oeuvre, you you can't just get up there and masturbate. And I don't mean, well, you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> sure. Literally, otherwise that would be some kind of performance art that's right. only appropriate in certain venues. The cock, but, perhaps? Maybe. But even figuratively, you can't just get up there and like dive into your feelings and expect it to be captivating or relatable. Mm. You have to present it in a way that speaks in some kind of universal language to right. other people. Because really, I think, aside from, um, you know, entertainment should probably always be the first priority. But in cabaret, I think you like for there to be a bit of thought provoked yeah. Sure. Yeah. by but what you're presenting and, and, and something that people can latch onto and say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I've been through that. Yeah, because it's an intimate setting. I think when you make that connection, I mm -hmm. think that's kind of the key, right, is yep. you're in that smaller setting together. And like once they're feeling not just your story, but your story and their story, then you've really got some magic there. Yeah, it's very, very exposed, mm -hmm. very naked, so to speak. Yeah. Wow. So one of the things I've heard you talk about in the past, which I love, is uh, you are a believer in like the law of attraction, setting intentions, visualizing, mm -hmm. um, which I think is, yeah, it's key. That's uh, our language. Totally. So w how much of what you're doing right now, is this, is this what you saw before this all took off? Or is it even more? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I want to first say that... It really was something that I feel had an impact on getting cast on Drag Race. Mm -hmm. I had auditioned eight times. Yeah. Uh, well, seven times before auditioning for season nine. And I came really close to not auditioning at all. That's right. Um, yeah. I was going to go to culinary school or perhaps take oh, wow. a full-time position in event design. Okay. Wow. And I said to my mom, I just don't know if I can do this again because mm -hmm. it's involved to audition for Drag Race and I wasn't sure if I was wasting my time. And so I was like, I just don't know if I can do this. And I decided to do it. And once I made the tape, I saw that it was different. I saw there's something about this one mm -hmm. that's going to stand out differently from my others. And I think it was really that I finally just said, like, this is me. Yeah. Take it or leave it kind right. of thing. And mm -hmm. not in with any kind of attitude, but just like just presenting myself honestly mm. instead of trying to present something that I thought would land me the job, so right. to speak. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I saw that it was different. And once I saw that it was different, each year I go went through this thing of trying trying not to get my hopes up too high, yeah. high because, you know, it's it was heartbreaking some years like there were some years I thought it was gonna happen yeah and it didn't and I was just like oh god and to go through that year after year and um and so I said to myself you know what I'm going this was uh right around this time my cousin gave me that book the secret of course and I kind of dove in and I was like okay I'm going to embrace this and I'm I'm gonna let myself want for this and wish for this and visualize it yeah and so i told the universe every day i want this and uh i it was like early june uh of the year that we filmed which was 2016 and i landed in san francisco and went to my girlfriend's place in oakland california and she said oh i want to see your drag race audition tape so i showed it to her and after she was like wow this is like you've really grown a lot and i said you know it just feels different this year i hope i just want them to call i yeah. just want them to talk to me i feel like if they talk to me that'll be it you right, know yeah right and while we were having this conversation i missed the the first phone call from them oh wow i oh, i wow. saw i had a missed call and i said what area code is 323 <laughs> And it all unfolds. And I opened the phone. It says Los Angeles. And I listened to the voice message. And I fell <laughs> to the floor. <laughs> do you still have the voicemail? Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I think I do. Because I'm pretty sure that I never. I mean. Let's see. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. I'm looking right now. <laughs> 
Oh, I just man. love visualizing that, like learning. Oh my god, it's Los Angeles. Oh my god, there's a voice. Well, you know, <laughs> even on this season, Mayhem Miller was talking about how every year it was just like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. And she needed this, this kind of stamp of approval because whether you like it or not, and I think Bendela Krem talked about this, whether you like it or not, Drag Race being in the world, mm-hmm. like it. You have to interact with it, whether you're a local queen or yeah. whether you're on the show. It's part of the discussion now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, you know, I always bow down with greatest reverence to the proud few queens who have made major, lucrative careers for themselves without it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are really those are the the pioneers in the trenches. Yeah. Um, but the the other way to get there or at least to be given the opportunity to start is, is by going on drag race. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And like you said, it just, it's part of, it's part of drag in this, in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. So as, I mean, you obviously have been watching the show since the beginning, you've been auditioning multiple times. Now that season 10 is on and you have, as they say, you've seen how the sausage is made. Hmm. As a longtime fan of the show, does it feel different to watch it now? Oh yeah, I can't watch it the same way. Yeah, oh, wow. I mean, I do watch it, but I can't. It's not the same. But like, yeah. you see the producers in the background, you see the cameras. It's see- a different awareness sure. because um, I think something that most girls who go film the show will agree upon is that as much as you try to imagine what it's going to be like, being there and being in it is different than you imagined. It's just not something you can wrap your head around until you're in the thick of it and so having seen that part of it um and it's really like it's hard to articulate exactly what i mean um yeah because i was gonna ask like what's like what is one thing that you think that like this this seems obvious and when they said it i was like yeah i know Mm -hmm. but but then i i came to understand and it was something that was said to us early by production which was we're doing two things simultaneously here there's a competition going on and the competition is real and we want you to give it your all and kill it Mm -hmm. um we're also filming a tv show and um we're gonna be getting in your way uh while you're doing the competition because we have to film this tv show and i think i never i always thought of them as one entity Mm -hmm. and it's hard when you're watching the thing, it's you don't separate it. They seem like the same thing. I imagine, but that, there is a duality there. I imagine that looks like you're in a confessional and a producer asks you a question. You're like, "Fuck, I'm not ready to answer that question right yeah. now." Like I'm thinking about this. My balls are tucked under me, and like you're asking me about like my dead grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. The, I mean that right there is sort of drag race to a T which is it's everything all at once right yeah and right. that's part of what makes it hard yeah um and the race element because there you you don't just have free to you know time to make it work there is set period of time yeah. to make something happen in yeah so you go ahead oh I was gonna say just I mean that's one of the things I think as fans of the show and and as having this you know little podcast um is we're so kind of fascinated by the like the mental and the emotional journey that the queens go through mm-hmm. on the show like you know we kind of joke about it we talk about like project runway we when we would watch that we'd be like oh my god they're so tired, so tired. people are just crying you know when you're so tired you just start crying because yep. you're just that tired i'm sure yep. you've been there um and and it's not that we're watching it gawking at it it's just that human side of like oh wow mm-hmm. this is just like you're just watching people break down right now well and also consider that you know part of um Part of the the soup there is that um, you don't have your usual support system yes. of mm-hmm. people, oh, of places, of things, of comfort foods, of mm-hmm. coping mechanisms, whatever that might be. You don't have that when right. you're filming Drag Race. So really everything does boil to the surface when it comes to emotion. All yeah. I would want is just like a grilled cheese and french fries. Yeah. Which can happen. Oh, okay. Right. That can happen? Right. All right. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm right. good. But like a joint can't happen. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it can. I don't know. It cannot. <laughs> it cannot. 
Okay. And I think that that would change Drag Race for a great many people. I'm sure. I mean, we saw what happened to Laganja. Right? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I heard a rumor on that topic that in season seven, that when Jasmine Masters was explaining to Rue in the workroom her cocoon look, she was just like stoned out of her gourd. I don't know how that would be possible. <laughs> that being said, I do know that the rules got tighter by the time the season nine girls arrived oh, to it. set. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard tell that the good old days <laughs> of of being bad while you were filming Drag yeah. Race were, was season four? Oh. Sharon's season? That makes sense. Yes. I've heard that that was, those were the, those were the days when you could get away, where the girls got away with a lot. Okay. I heard about girls jumping out the window. And Same. <laughs> I just love it. I just like. Same. And then they had to like tape the doors down so they wouldn't leave. Oh, yeah. When <laughs> when, when I arrived at the hotel. Um, is it, it just like a Marriott? Like, is it just like a, is it like a, is it like t- middle level, high level? Where do they mid. put you? Okay, mid. mid. Okay. I, w- I was impressed. Is there snack machines? Not that you could go to by yourself. <laughs> That's right. Because oh, no. you can't leave the room. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it. W- I was impressed with the level of the hotel. I thought it was nicer than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first walked onto the hallway where we all stayed, not only were the the door, the outside of the doors taped, and the peoples taped. Um, wow. The peoples. The peoples. Oh, the yeah. peoples. Yeah. yeah. So you can't even see out. Um, yeah. we were spaced every other room. So you couldn't even do a little knock on the no wall. No knock on the wall business. Oh that's God. like that's like the shoe in Orange is the New Black, and I think they had neighbors. That's at like least. the jury in like a, a, a grand trial. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like in that situation? You don't have your comforts. You don't even have your phone to look at. Oh but, my God! Like, were how, you dying? What ha- did you do all night? Yeah. Well, the first day when I arrived at the hotel, I reached for my phone at least ten times and like to try to call my mother and like yeah. <gasps> had a. Mental breakdown. I definitely cried the first night. Yeah. And, um, we, oh, honey. We, there are wonderful people who look after you while you're on set. Okay, and, so uh, there's like a support, like uh, yes. therapist-ish mm-hmm. kind of thing. No, no, not, not, not a professional in that way, but a, a real professional and a real caring professional who looks after the girls and is in charge of the team of sort of wranglers or handlers oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, that handle the girls and um and so i got a i got a, a very warm hug from her that night oh okay. yeah. yeah. i've always heard and many times colin wants to be handled by sarge I, no for, yeah <laughs> oh i love sarge oh. too i can't even like he fantasizes about him in and oh, out of drag yeah wintergreen <laughs> is my kind of drag and sarge is my kind of man you oh know God. sarge is just radiates warmth oh and good. Um, you've met sarge i'm swooning alexis <laughs> i can't even i actually had um a very emotional moment in my confessional one day um where i really like opened up about something that not many people in the world know about and it never made the cut mm-hmm. um but he really saw me and felt for me because he's a parent Mm -hmm. and I think he really like felt for me as a parent and I think he really tried to to be that voice for me in a moment of of me really letting it all out Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget that um he's a he's a very kind man and good at what he does. I didn't think my in heart was well sure. for Sarge anymore. <laughs> and he's a nice dad. Oh, yes. Go. He's a very sweet dad. <laughs> That's great. That is beautiful. I've heard as well from the girls that like when you guys do your the confessionals or the talking heads, mm-hmm. that there's kind of like one producer that you kind of You work with someone throughout the season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as girls get eliminated and the workload gets a little bit imbalanced, there was some shifting. Mm-hmm. But I happily... Um, uh, Almost entirely. Uh, I got to work with another uh, person for a couple a couple of my interviews, um, but for the most part, I had consistency in that. And I think that the reason for that is so that you can build a level of comfort mm-hmm. to talk about a variety of things that you'll yeah. be talking about throughout the season. Do you yeah. still have a relationship with that producer? Yeah, we we text. Oh, oh wow! Not frequently, but like you know, he's busy. I'm busy, but yeah, yeah we're we're mm-hmm. still in touch. I I still That's have re- important to me actually. I still have know. a relationship with you know pretty much everybody at Drag Race who mm-hmm. I who was part of the experience sure. from producers to 
you know, all the way down to uh, production people. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There must be that sense, especially among the other uh, queens on your season and probably other seasons as well. There's that feeling of nobody else understands our experience except this select group of people. That's it. And 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 when you meet girls from other seasons, there is a shared understanding of what you've been through. But even then, truly, nobody knows it like your season. That's true. Like my very best friend is on season 10, Dusty Raybottoms. Right. Yes. And, you know. Never loved you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, we can compare notes and share and have that 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 shared experience. But even even she doesn't know exactly what season nine was like. And even yeah. I don't know exactly what season 10 was like. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. the dynamics of the room, the personalities, the chemistry that gets changes created. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really, uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. It's mm -hmm. like different, um, different classes in uh, like theater school or, mm -hmm. or even uh, what am I thinking of? Like a different, um, a, a, a different camp, yeah. like a different uh, group of camp. Every every summer might be different. Mm -hmm. Exactly, it's yeah. very that. Okay. I yeah. think it's very that. Um, I even heard that like s the way they scheduled the filming of season eight was different from season nine. Mm -hmm. um, Cynthia said we had a we had a nicer schedule for season nine. Oh, oh that nice. you, it was yeah. nicer. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if ten then even improved more. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I can't say. The only thing I do know is that what was different about nine and what, uh, excuse me, about eight and what was different about 10 is that there were uh, seasons of all stars and drag race film back to back, oh, which right may right. have made for a more congested schedule. Oh. So season eight and all stars two were filmed together. Okay. And season uh, 10 and All Stars 3 were filmed at mm -hmm. the same time. Well, yeah. back, excuse back me, to back. back to back, not yeah. at the same time. Wow. I want to know, so you get off season nine, and I don't mean when the show airs. Before the show aired. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, g give me like day, like ground zero, what happens? What do you do? Do you just um, like collapse? <laughs> well... Oh, okay. What was the first thing you ate? Like, you know, yeah. like, it's that's that's the tea we want to know. <laughs> I'm gonna go really, really deep. Uh, <laughs> we're we're here for it. Our Marys love it. Yeah. All right, Marys, buckle up. <laughs> I I haven't talked about this to anybody, um, and it's something that is public knowledge if you're up in the news, but it's not something I've discussed. Um, I got my phone back, and had 675 text messages. Wow. And a myriad of voicemails, and I'm scrolling through them, and this is uh you know while I'm at the airport. Um, once I've, once the uh, production assistant who who brought me with my bags checked me in and said goodbye, and then I had my phone back in my hand. Oh wow! And um, it's almost like I would throw it back. It was shocking, and I was like, "How do I you use this thing?" <laughs> right. um, so I'm, I'm scrolling like a, like a fifty-year-old you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. woman. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> I'm scrolling through these messages, and I keep seeing questions about how are you? Are you okay? <gasps> Um, did you hear about Marcus? And Marcus was my um, my boarding school roommate at Interlochen Center for the Arts um, for two years in a row, and he is a brother to me. And um, he's had some some real struggles in his life. And I, where I went immediately, was thinking my friend had died. Yeah. And I called a close friend from Interlochen and he, you know, but I was gone long enough in production that people figured out where I was. So we didn't speak of it. We didn't say anything, but he's, he, I could hear the excitement in hearing from me in his voice. He said, hi, wow. I'm so glad to hear from you. And then he said, I bet you're calling about Marcus. And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, are you sitting down? Are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he let me know that, um, my friend had killed someone. Oh my God. And, um, you know, and I won't, I won't go into much more detail uh, because you know there's there's legal stuff going on mm -hmm. uh, around it um but 
you can only imagine oh like what this God. did to yeah. my mind. Yeah. Like this was the first bit of information back after oh six weeks. Fuck. The first return of the real world. And it's something so surreal. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I, there was very little I knew about the situation, but I know, I know Marcus deeply. And, um, you know, while there's still a lot of things I haven't been filled in on, um, I believe, uh, you know, that it was a moment that got out of control rather than anything, um, you know, premeditated. I, I know my friend and I don't think he's capable of that. Uh -huh. Um, but it was really effing crazy. Yeah. And, um, I instantly like went to the bar and ordered a double tequila neat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I got on my, my flight and, um, you know, I kind of passed out because between what I'd just been through yeah, and then hearing that news, it was like too much. And I just kind of like passed out on the flight. And so I, I took a red eye. I got home in the, in the morning and I, I got picked up from the airport by my stepfather with all the luggage crammed into the, <laughs> the trunk in the backseat of the car. <laughs> and then I, I, he brought me back here to my apartment and, um, and then I fell asleep again. Wow. Yeah. Uh, my mom came over uh, a little bit later that morning and saw me and we talked and we talked about, you know, my friend and what had happened. And um, I mean, yeah, I, if your mom walks in, burst into tears, hug. What was the? No, no. You know, relief for uh, just relief, you mm -hmm. know, happy to be home. OK, you know, yeah. happy to be home, happy to be back where it's familiar. And it was a beautiful it was a beautiful September day, and um, I ended up having going out to lunch with a friend who, who had been a real supporter and a, a helper to me, getting to that point. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, let me take you to a nice lunch. So we went to my favorite place here in the village, and um, and actually, this was really trippy. Later that afternoon, I saw another friend, and. I said, you know, I cannot bear to be inside. I've been inside a lot for the yeah. past six weeks. So we went to uh, a park up in uh, Washington Heights where he lives. And we started walking. And we were going to find a place to sit in the park. And without even discussing it, we just kept walking. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, my legs were pulsating and trembling because it was the furthest I'd walked in six weeks. Oh, wow. my God. Um, because on set, the longest walk was down the hallway of the hotel yeah. to get to the car to go to set. And then the walk from the workroom to the main stage. Wow. I never think about that. That's so crazy. Yeah. And I, I I'm, that. as a New Yorker, I'm a walker. Yeah. So yeah. it was really shocking to walk again for yeah. like any extended period of time. Wow. Oh my God. Stemming from that, because I would imagine it would apply here, but even in your life now. How do you keep yourself grounded? Um, you know, I, I'm grateful for a couple reasons that this experience happened to me when it did at, you know, at this point in my life, um, a, because, uh, my drag is much, was much more realized mm -hmm. than it would have been had I gone on earlier. Oh, I see. Um, and that being said, my drag is so different now from when I was on the show even. Right. Yeah. Um, but also because I have the you know i have lived a bit and i have perspective and i think really that's what it's all about mm -hmm. and i think for the people who go through this experience considerably younger they don't have as much perspective and i think that it's um i i would guess that they're a bit more susceptible to be thrown by the experience and for me i was like well this is crazy mm -hmm. but i felt a bit more grounded i sort of knew even though, and I will say, just like you don't know what it's like to film Drag Race till you're there, you don't know what it's like to experience the frenzy until you're experiencing it. Right. Yeah. So even me with saying I have this perspective, um, it still can really throw you for a loop. Um, you know, when people start going nuts online about you sure. for, yeah. for, for better or worse. Sure. Um, and you kind of know it's coming because you've been watching the show. You've seen how social media has evolved. Yeah. And you know the day before the cast announcement, you're like, okay, this is all about to blow up. I couldn't even uh, – I was trying to change my profile picture mm -hmm. on my various uh, devices. It took 
40 minutes just to accomplish that because the screens were so blowing up. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I couldn't get anything done. Wow. Holy fuck. You wow. know, it's interesting when you think, because you were a fan and then you got on the show. Now you're interacting with fans after being on the show. And one thing that we talk about on this podcast a lot uh, recently now is how intense the fans are mm-hmm. and how in how they have just intensified as mm-hmm. they've gone on. Mm. I know that you are not um, immune to any of the online abuse. Like we know that. <laughs> and, yeah. Everybody and gets it. It it's seems fucking yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so why, why is that? Why are they so fucking passionate and hateful? Well, the, or pa- not hateful. the passion, which is lovely, um, <laughs> is because um, drag is so expressive and whether you're someone who does drag also and so you know what it's like to express yourself in that way or perhaps you're someone who wants to do drag and would love to express yourself in that way or perhaps doing drag isn't part of it and it's just seeing someone be that honest and expressive you know Mm. um it, it was something that was fringy and taboo for so long. So to see it broadcast in this way is really empowering to people and really exciting to people. And it happens to be a very um, visual art form. You know, it's a beautiful art form to look at visually. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that we live in such a visual society. Everything is at our, at our fingertips and right at the, the next click or swipe. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that is why Drag Race in particular has had such an enormous success. Drag Race also has made celebrities out of people with relatable stories. And that's something that speaks to people. Now, um, I was given some unsolicited advice by Courtney Act (laughs) um, early on post-announcement when um, uh, she met she met someone who uh, had already sort of approached me as, as a fan and um, it was a little intense at first. And so Courtney said, I just, you know, a word to the wise. Um, you can't always be friends with people who are fans of the show because they don't always see you as a real person. Oh, and I yeah. think that because they are watching something that they feel so passionately about there is a sense of ownership of the program you know it's my drag race and it's your drag race and it's your drag race it's everybody's drag race everybody has some ownership over it especially you know what we call the super fans yeah Mm -hmm. and um i think because people feel that passionately about it and because they feel that sense of ownership um there is a sense of perhaps entitlement or perhaps that like you can treat your thing however you want to treat it because it's yours. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I think it's beautiful that people have that feeling of ownership over Drag Race. I just wish sometimes that there was a distinction for people between realizing you can own Drag Race like that, but you don't own Alexis Michelle. Right. You don't own Shea Coulee. You don't own Sasha Valore. Right. We are human beings that exist separate from filming the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a hard distinction for some folks to make. I agree. I think that human element and like I even had it myself as a fan, you know, over the episodes times where we've, you know, we've read a queen or we've kind of gone in and then later thinking, oh, well, that's just a human being, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. like it might be like one day of filming. Yeah. You know? and, and one talking head that came at completely out of context. Right. Yeah. And you kind of like sacrifice that knowledge for the for the kiki you know you sacrifice it for the laugh but it's like eh, is it really i don't know if it's worth it you know yeah. and it's something i think we've both felt really strongly about is like you know yes reading and shade and all that is part of this culture but like i definitely feel like now especially because of the internet people's interpretations of what shade is is completely off Skewed, all the context yeah. is gone it's you know i think the word shade or reading is masked by insecurity is masked by hate is masked by jealousy is masked yeah. by a lot of things that are rampant in the gay community especially mm-hmm. just like growing up as a queer kid and then seeing your queer show like you were saying this ownership of your show i mean you you're interacting with a lot of your parts mm-hmm 
with the show that you're seeing because you're yeah. seeing their parts. Yeah, you're having it reflected back to you. You're exactly. Yourself. You yeah. know, also, I think people who do it well, who really shade, you know, like pros, mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough Jujube. to have seen... Yeah, Juju's great at it. Yeah. Or if you're lucky to have seen one of Bianca Del Rio's shows, yeah. um, she says the most vile things to people, but you can tell it's with a laugh and a wink and with yeah. a sense of love for her community. Right. Yeah. Um, and she also includes herself. Yeah. You That's know? what Joan Rivers would always say. She's exactly. like, I'll make fun of myself first. Exactly. Yeah. And that levels the playing field. And I wish people could have seen more of that from me. You know, they, yeah. I, I came off as very sensitive, especially around reads mm-hmm. uh, around my body weight. And I, I just, I want you to go on for that, but I do want to say, I think in our, that we talk about this a lot I think it's important that we stop, as a gay community, stop marginalizing being sensitive mm-hmm. and stop marginalizing like what doesn't work, you mm-hmm. know, or what's uncomfortable. Sure. And, we, s- yeah. and, and start having a conversation about it. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's that balance, right? It's like I think sensitivity is actually super important, like vulnerability is strength, like things like that. But I think it's it's not a popular thing to see. And it's yeah. very, and I think it requires a certain emotional intelligence to capture, mm. and it can be very easy to just gloss over and say, "Oh, that person is just sensitive. That person is mm-hmm. overly sensitive, um, irrationally so." Yeah, you know? and I love, uh, you know, I love being self-deprecating. It's such a big part of like being, you know, on your feet with a microphone in hand in front of a crowd, and it's super fun. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that particular moment where I was perceived as being overly sensitive or or being able to dish it without being able to take it was really the result of, lo- you know, lost in translation or something being taken out of context. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, that, sure. that makes sense. I think we've heard that a lot, that a lot of times you're just seeing, uh, you know, it's a certain story. And, well, you know, you know, and it's interesting just about that moment. And I, I don't want to talk about season nine now because there's so much happening now. Uh, with you as as a queen and as a person but like just the uh, and we talked about it on season nine there were jokes there were fat jokes but then the minute it was turned the other way it wasn't cool yeah and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like if we're going to talk about bodies sure why is there a double standard there? oh johnny that's the nail on the head and actually it happened the other way around we talked very sensitively about anorexia and bulimia on the show yep Right. And then don't when joke about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't joke about that. And then when and I and I agree because mm-hmm. because of how I feel about my body image issues, which go more on the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I you know, I, w- I didn't joke about that and I wouldn't joke about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when the when the tables were turned, there was not the same sensitivity. Yeah. Right. Uh, about my issues and I think it's like people expect if you were uh, if you're an overeater or if you're heavy that you're going to be jovial <laughs> yeah right yeah and, Santa Claus. Uh, yeah you know it ain't always like that yeah yeah we talked about that it's like I just when that happened it was like I just don't know if I see the difference you know that that justifies this double standard and there really yeah. wasn't I think yeah. it was Eureka that got read because she tried to joke the like she tried to bring it the other way, right? It mm-hmm. was anyway. Yeah. I don't oh yeah, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, um, and she felt that she needed to apologize. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she did apologize. Right. And, oh right, um, I remember that. Yeah, and yet mm-hmm. there was like there was not that kind of sensitivity when my feelings were hurt. Yeah, right. About yeah. my size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess like in the context of a reading challenge, it's like, well, this is all fair game. It's all just practice, you know, for when somebody's really insulting you. Right. But you can't help but hear the conversation that we just fucking had yesterday, yeah, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I want to talk about meditation mm. because uh, this is something that I saw you starting to do sometime last year where you were having kind of like live meditation sessions. When did we start? Yeah, I started last year uh, bef- before 2018. Um, um, I just needed to do something that I thought was going to be good for me and I thought other people could really benefit from it, which is why I started doing it on Instagram Live. Right. Mm-hmm. When I first had the notion to do it Alexis on it, Instagram Live. Sorry. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when I first thought to, to do it, I was like, oh, that doesn't really work. That's sort of the antithesis of meditation. Mm-hmm. But I said, but no, if we turn off the comments... And we close our eyes while we're meditating. Actually, we're really making a statement about 
pulling back from that that social media insanity. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And sure. saying this is a time that's not about that validation that we're always seeking. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many meditation apps and mm-hmm. so many uh, like things on YouTube that you could just put on. I mean, it's I feel like it's a it's a interesting way to go, especially with your audience and with so many people that I think would get it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and be there for it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so to kind of, uh, close us out, I'd love to get some of your points of view on and hot takes on season 10. Ooh. I mean, certainly must be super excited to see Dusty. Yeah. We're both super excited to see her as well. She's amazing. Um, are, were you familiar with the other New York Queens? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was interesting about the season nine Queens that I was on from New York was, uh, I had, I would say I had more of a relationship with Aja than with, um, Peppermint or Sasha. Really. I knew Sasha. I had only worked with peppermint once and oh. it was just a couple weeks before we left oh, wow. and um ao fifth yeah. so there was there was a separateness about about us the four of us from new york on my season mm-hmm. the funny thing about the gals on season 10 is these girls really swim in the same pool yeah oh. um you know um uh cracker and monet have a weekly show together sure. mm-hmm. I've seen that. I mean that's wild yeah um Cracker and Aquaria they have a history together sure yes. um a great one yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh Monet Cracker Aquaria and Dusty are all um look queens oh. which was a party that Bob started yeah. at the monster yeah. of course yeah and um Yuha. And then, and Yuha is really, I mean, not to, you know, I don't mean this in any kind of way, but Yuha was really part of the the group because she is known for her design work and sewing and has, I think probably every girl from New York brought stuff mm-hmm. made by Yuha to drag race Holy with them, you know? Fuck. I think Monet, because I've been listening to Sibling Rivalry, the yep. Monet and Bob's podcast, and I think she said... Uh, Yuha made her signature drag her best look. drag look. Yeah, yeah. No that's way. that's a Yuha bodysuit. Actually, um, Monet has them in several colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a if you uh, follow me on Instagram at Alexis Lives, mm-hmm. there's a, a picture I posted with Monet where we're both wearing Yuha bodysuits in the same color. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a group. These season ten girls swim in the same pool. Yeah. And which I found to be really fascinating. And I, I know them all pretty well. Um I've worked with all of them. Yuha's made me stuff too. Wow. And um I actually gave Aquaria some of her early gigs when she was getting oh. started. Oh, that's oh, awesome. I remember seeing her perform and being quite taken mm-hmm. with the beauty and with what she does and she's a very skilled performer too. Yeah. Is uh is there any ideas of maybe singing with Monet? I know he's also a Oh yeah, Monet's a trained singer, singer too. Mm-hmm. Um that would be great. I mean Monet and I have always gotten along and I think whenever we've had brief moments to share the stage it's always felt pretty natural. So mm-hmm. I'd be totally down to explore that. Come on Monet and Alexis. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. all for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Molexis. Molexis. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any of the queens, the non-New York queens, that you didn't know and are kind of like, whoa, where did you come from? Um, let's see. Who was not on my radar? Um, I certainly knew of Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, yeah. I knew, um, and obviously I knew Eureka. Mm-hmm. We are uh, huge fans of, right now, currently, well, me kind of more, I think, mm-hmm. long term. But Asia O'Hara and Monique Hart. Well, Monique Hart's been mine from the sure. cast list. Sure. Being so, yeah. uh, you know, all to y'all shade. Um, I maybe, maybe heard something from my best friend about <laughs> Monique Hart because they really bonded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have had the pleasure of spending time with Monique a couple times when she's come to visit New York and she's really, really lovely. Between this and Sarge, you're making me so (laughs) jealous, Alexis. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I, I really enjoy Monique and I did know about Asia O'Hara because she's a pageant legend. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I, I'm so glad she's on this season and that everybody's getting to see the diversity that a, 
that a pageant girl brings to this competition. Right. Um, it was something that Trinity brought to the competition. It's something that Eureka brings to the competition. And it's a level of finishing and excellence. Um, and those things don't negate creativity or being silly as we just saw from Asia O'Hara. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She killed yeah, right. that ugly face oh, drag yeah. challenge. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Oh, that yeah. the still of her just holding that freeze frame <laughs> right. will go down in the book. Right? Well I keep seeing right? it superimposed in like really funny situations. Yeah. You know, like her uh like with uh like in bed with some sexual oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that face is the Miss Vanjie of this week. Right. Oh right, absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. I mean the 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 aggressive meme and I mean that in a positive way, but the memes this season, they're wasting yeah. no time. Monet and those sponges. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like I'm making this happen. Absolutely. Speaking yeah. of speaking of Miss Vanjie, that's someone who I've gotten to know, you know, just just from season ten. Yeah. Oh. Um, and the publicity leading up to it. And I think I'm so happy for her yeah. that even though she had to sashay first. Um, the world has fallen in love yeah. with Miss Vanjie, and so have I. Oh, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's huge for uh, yeah. you know the first one out to it's get proof. that kind yeah. of a... Yeah, it is proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. you can be out first, but it's like yeah. you just need like one she thing. She was just at Marc Jacobs' birthday party or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and I feel like that's like, it's the lesson we always hear, and I'm sure you felt as well, is like, the window is open. It's not open forever, so yeah. you need to like take advantage of it when you have it. You know, and and there's really no shame in going home first. The everybody who gets on drag race has the potential to, you know, be the bright shining star that they are yep. and to build their career like um James Mansfield I just saw in New York City this week mm-hmm. and um, she's so excited. She's going to be doing her own show out in Provincetown this summer. Oh, oh cool. And Good. that's a big dream come true for many queens, I know. So, mm-hmm. um, Pink so dressers. Super <laughs> excited. Yeah, she's um, great. For her and, and, and for Miss Vanjie. Yeah. Uh, well, Alexis, let's talk about you. What? Where can we find you next? What's happening? How can Mary's follow along? So make sure to always follow along at Alexis Lives yeah. on Instagram and on Twitter and on Venmo. <laughs> Most importantly. <laughs> um, but um, Miss Venmo. <laughs> Venmo. <laughs> but uh, make sure, and you can go ahead and pre-order my album Love Fool on broadwayrecords.com and on amazon.com right now. Um, and then starting May 11th, when it drops, mm-hmm. um, you'll be able to get it online digitally. And you'll also be able to get your very first and signed copies of it at DragCon in LA, May yeah, 11th, 12th, and 13th. Perfect. Um, well, I'm sure a lot of our Marys will be there. So yes, perfect. Marys, come yes. see me in booth 244 right by the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Say, hey, Mary, and she'll give you a wink. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. She'll know you good people. Um, <laughs> and please, everybody, come and see my final bow this year at Feinstein's 54 Below yeah. uh, next Wednesday, April 18th at 9.30 p.m. with my special guest, Kim David Smith. Fabulous. Awesome. Ugh. This, thank you for this. Is thank you, so cool. Mary. Yeah, thank yeah. You. this is fabulous. Yeah, uh, you know, Marys, if you have any thoughts, any thoughts at all, any further questions for Alexis that you're too shy to ask, you can ask through us uh, on Twitter at All Right Mary, or you can re- reach out to us by email at All Right Mary Podcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com. Don't be shy, just slide in my DM. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. lesson learned don't be shy. Um, and while you're not being shy, you can also, if you want to take your uh, take your marrying to the next level and become a Matreon you can go to patreon.com backslash allrightmary which means that you will become a financial supporter of this podcast and we'll get access to a bonus episode every week uh, we just did a review of the John Roberts mom videos which is <gasps> coming out or will be out by the time this interview is out exactly so and um, next week I think it's she devil right? it's she devil yeah, yeah. She so uh, bitch get into it this is so random uh-huh. I yeah. did John Roberts makeup <gasps> Oh, right. Mary. Right. Way to bury the lead. Right. <laughs> right when Bob's Burgers was about to debut on Fox. Oh uh, they did on camera interviews with the cast. Oh, look at the ducks. <laughs> and the the makeup artist who brought me on the, the day 
spent like two hours doing Kristen Shaw, who is the only woman right. in the regular cast. Yes. And I did all the men. <laughs> wow. Including wow. John Roberts. You did all the men, Alexa? <laughs> I wanted to do John Roberts, but he wasn't having it. She's no. a floozy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that got in. I'm so yeah, glad yeah, this yeah. didn't oh, end without that. I love that, that yeah. line. <laughs> um, and Mary's, you know at this point that you can also head over to iTunes and you can leave us a rating and a review, particularly a review, but all the tea we're getting. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm leaving five stars for us just for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think that's everything from that's us. Everything. Um, Alexis, Michelle, thank you again. Thank you. Um, you are absolutely lovely. We're yeah. so so proud Aww. of all the work that you're doing. Thank it's you. really amazing. Yeah. If you have not seen Alexis live, uh, you, <laughs> you need to go see Alexis live. It's uh, a completely wonderful experience. Yeah. Uh, so we highly recommend it. And if she is keen and drunk enough, yell out "Do two one two and she might do it for yeah. you. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not ladies who lunch. Is that done? I don't know. I'm not drinking these days. Fair okay. enough. Okay. Yeah. Good Fair for enough, you. Mary. All right. Fair enough. Um, well, Marys, I think that's all for us. Uh, we will see you again, actually, for our hot takes episode, for the next episode of Drag Race, uh, and for our bonus episode. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.